Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 76. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on the internet. So you don't have to. This week we're talking about the 2013 film... The Happy House. The Happy House, which is the debut of D.W. Young. Oh, D.W. So, we hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. Yes, and amidst inside. Amidst the global pandemic. Yes. Stay the fuck home. Yes, yeah, stay home. Stop hanging out with your friends. Yeah, Stop don't. going to work. Yeah. Unless you're essential and, like, really, and, like, really essential. Like, genuinely essential. Yeah. Even then. Maybe. Well, we're hypocrites because we go to the grocery store. I'm still very thankful for the people who work at that Jolasco who allow me to keep buying bread. The first Now Screaming film that we'll be covering under a global pandemic <laughs> is The Happy House. And I would like to say up front that this isn't going to be a very long episode because no. it feels a little mean to dunk on to this movie. To dunk on it for as long as we could really dunk on it. When we when we encounter a real piece of shit movie yeah. like Hellraiser Revelations... That only exists as a way of retaining rights to a franchise. It is the most blatant commercial product, and it's also garbage. Garbage. And, like, offensive garbage. Like, I delight in yeah. tearing down We had a wonderful time yeah. destroying that with James. Uh-huh. This movie really sucks, and I don't... But it's like... But it's like... It's, it feels like punching it's down. It's like a student film. It feels like, like punching that's down. That's what it feels like, genuinely. But it was completely unenjoyable in nearly every way. Yeah. Unfortunate. It's like one of the, like, in terms of movies that have famous people in them, Aya Cash is in this movie. Uh, it was like before she really broke out. But it, it was, was her like... breakout year. So Aya Cash, uh, this is the same year that she appeared in a very small role in Wolf of Wall Street, which got a lot of people's attention. And then mm-hmm. the next year she started starring in You're the Worst. Right. Which obviously launched her. That's feels like what she's most known for. Yeah. Now she's in other things, and she's a she's a very great actress. So she's in this movie. So it doesn't even really have the excuse of being like so off the grid. Like it, it has Aya Cash in it. Like we have to consider it a real movie. But it and this filmmaker feel is like a real at any point like a real movie. This filmmaker is a real person. I was looking. He. Never made a film before this, but he shoots and edits a lot, and by a lot, I mean a fucking lot of documentary shorts. He, Interesting. Okay. He shot, uh, maybe he just edited, a conversation between Martin Scorsese and Kent Jones that appeared as a extra feature on the Criterion release of On the Waterfront. What? Elliot Kazan's On the Waterfront. What? Now I'm even more confused, because I will tell you, I went to, I went to school for theater, at a, at a school that also did a lot of film. So I was in a lot of student films. That was a very big thing that the actors would do, yeah. was like star in the student films. This felt exactly like both a script and an editing that like was done by freshmen at my college. Yeah, I, I made this comment when we were watching it that it felt it feels like a play, but like a like a like a playwriting freshman, class freshman play. film. Yeah, or or playwriting. Class. It does not have a filmic structure at, at all. all. It it feels like someone again i don't i really don't want to beat up on this guy but someone wrote a, a shitty play and then they just like decided oh this play is going nowhere if i film it maybe i'll have a shot I at guess. people getting eyes on my work because they no work was done to transfer it to no like there's nothing cinematic about it at yeah. all it's it's filmed as if you were filming a play there are so many fade ins and fade outs 
scene changes. See, they're, they're, they really actually are like scene changes. Music will play at the beginning of the fade out before, and then end right at the fade in as if they were playing scene change music. And I don't know whether it's meant to feel like that because to me, it's the most obvious thing in the world that this person just wanted to write a play. Agreed. The other thing I'd like, like to say in play oh my we God. haven't broached yet is that this isn't a fucking horror movie. It's not even really uh, pretending to be. It's sort of pretending to be at the end. I actually think it's sort of pretending to at the beginning, but... It is. It's pretending to at the beginning and the end. Let's Can we get into the plot slightly? Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on this. No, no, so I know. But let's like... talk about it. It's about a couple. Joe and Wendy. Wendy is Aya Cash. Joe is some guy. Mm-hmm. They are... Going on a weekend retreat to a bed and breakfast. To, and like, help their relationship. They're fighting before they even get on the road. Yeah. They're just bickering, and they're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to fight, but blah, blah, blah. Wendy hates bed and breakfasts. Beds and breakfast? <laughs> what is it? I think it is bed and breakfasts. Beds and breakfasts, like attorneys general. That's very fun. Yeah. Uh, B&Bs. They go to this house, the titular happy house. Yeah. The woman who runs the house is very, like, she's got a lot of rules that are, like, no loud music, no cursing, no other... They're just lots of really dumb rules, and they allude to the fact that the punishment for three strikes is very, like... Extreme. Oh, you don't want to know what happens. Ha 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 ha. She also has a very scary, uh, imposing son. Yes. Who... The only scary thing about him is that, A, he's built like a pro wrestler, yeah, and B, huge. he doesn't talk. He's the guy from Orange is the New Black. He's one of the um, CEOs. The guy? Okay, sorry. He's one of the CEOs in Orange is the New Black. I don't remember his name in the show, or even in real life, but I looked it up and it is the same guy. It's like the really big red-headed guy with the beard. He's very nice in Orange is the New Black. He's one of like the good ones. I, I did big scare quotes for that. Um, but... He's very spooky in the show, in the movie, because he just doesn't talk. That's, like, his only real... Yeah, so they're very afraid. There's another resident of the B&B named Niels Haverven, mm-hmm. who is a lepidopterist, a butterfly... Yeah, scientist. Scientist, who is here looking for a butterfly. A very rare, possibly extinct butterfly. Yes. And so he breaks the three strikes eater out rule at breakfast, the mm-hmm. their first breakfast day. And Which is like a huge plot point in this movie that the woman who runs the house, Hildy? Yes. Hildy, she makes these blueberry muffins that are like the best blueberry muffins anyone's ever tasted. Like, they're so unbelievably good. They're the best muffin ever. So he breaks the three strike rule. Um, and then it's like, oh, you know what's going to happen now? And he's like, yes, I know. And so and he, he leaves. He leaves. And then... Aya Cash is like, I just saw Hervervin being chased with an axe by the sun. But we but we don't see that as a, an audience. So I'm not we even see, sure whether that well, happened. We see him. It, it's a cut out the window where we see him walking af- the way that Hervervin walked with an axe. We do see that. Oh, do There's we? no chasing. It's very weird. It's a very strange thing. And she, Aya Cash's character is the very classic horror trope of like, she's freaking out. She thinks something's wrong. And he's just like... You're fine. Stop. It's but then fine. Havervin doesn't show up. Oh he my disappeared. God. And then there's a really weird scene where you see her baking the muffins. Um, yeah, wait. In retrospect, what is that? I think 
when she okay what happens is she's Sorry. she's describing the they're like what's the recipe and she's like oh you know flour and you see her putting flour it looks sugar, like a commercial blueberries yes it does um and then she goes and of course my secret ingredient and you see her pouring what looks like blood into well muffins. what looks like red corn syrup well that's what i think it is i think if this script had done its due diligence and covered this it'd be that it, it actually to me looked like blueberry juice is it? That's what it looked like it's to me. It's kind of red. And, well, blueberries, if you if you actually juice a blueberry, it'd be very red. I thought they were, like, purple. No, they're, like, they're clear on the inside. So if you had that plus the blue kind of purplish skin, if you, like, if you like put blueberries, and have you ever not made blueberry syrup? No. It's, like, purplish red. I mean, I believe you. Yeah. Um. So I, that's what I thought was that it was some sort of, like, blueberry syrup. Um, which I think actually would make a delicious blueberry muffin. Well, we're not here to debate Hildy's blueberry recipe. Uh, I think that it's so apparent that it's a fake out so early. The I movie completely think... telegraphs that there's like, well, here's the thing. Either put yourself in the headspace of the first 10, 15 minutes of this movie. Yes. Either this movie is totally incompetent and is completely ineffective. Well, we already know that that Wait, is true. No, no. First 10 to 15 minutes. Either it's totally incompetent in communicating what it thinks the scares are and rendering them totally like flat and emotionless, which uh-huh. is how pretty much everything plays. Every joke. I think this is supposed to be a horror comedy. But yes. honestly, every joke and every like thing that's a little out of place both land completely flat. Correct. Or it's obviously a fake out, which is why it's stylized this way. No, I think we're supposed to be like, oh my God, Hildy's going to kill them. That is what... I think it did a bad job of that. Of course it did. We already know that. But that is absolutely what's supposed to be happening, is that we're supposed to be like, blood in the blueberry muffins. Like, it's just bad storytelling. Because then what ends up happening is that Havervin does come back. Well, no, they get three strikes first. Do they? Yeah. Okay, they get three strikes. Okay, first strike is that he's listening to music on his earbuds. Oh, yeah, also their three strikes are collected with the two of them, which I think is unfair. It's one ridiculous. That that as there. a couple, they get That's three strikes. That's dumb. Second one is that Ayakash uh, goes and tries to snack in the middle of the night. Which is, yes, against the rules to snack from the fridge. A very good scream from her when Skip the Sun scares her. Finds her. Just a very good reaction. Ayakash is so funny in this movie, genuinely. I think she's very good. Uh, and then the third strike is that uh, she drops a fork at breakfast the next morning. So Havervin hasn't come home yet. Yeah. She drops a fork and says, shit. And Hildy's like, well, that's it. It's three strikes. That's three strikes. And, and then Havervin comes Hervin back. Havervin comes back in and he's like, oh, it's been 24 hours, Hildy. Can I? And she's like, yep, you can have a muffin again. That's the punishment for three strikes is you don't have muffins for 24 hours. And Ayakash's response to this is to laugh uproariously, <laughs> take the basket of muffins and leave. As one does. Get in the car and leave. This is what I wrote down. Uh, sure love when characters do things that make no sense. Because when she laughs, I was like, oh, okay. Like, they're, now there's the realization that they have overreacted. And yes. this is not a murder house. Everything's fine. But instead of being normal about it, she just leaves her boyfriend there. Yep. Just gets Takes in the car, his car and leaves. It's very bad. And let's, then so... Let's skip what happens. She comes back. Yeah. Because her car breaks down. There's another character in this movie we're not going to talk about because he literally it's is nothing. nothing. He's nothing. nothing. There's no, no payoff. No need to even discuss it's it. It's yeah. horrible. She comes back. There's some stuff with like, oh, well, we have to go get the car, blah, 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 blah. We're Hildy's not going to about that. sister comes but into the, the story. the point is that they're stuck there. Yeah. They don't have a car anymore because the car breaks down. Yeah. It's getting fixed, but they're there in the house yeah. for the time being. For probably today. Yeah. Hildy's sister, Aunt Linda. 
<laughs> shows up. They get into a political argument. This is when it becomes the most like a play, by the way. Because it's, up to this point, it's, it's one been, long like, shot. This is just a bad movie. And then there's just a really long. How long was the shot? Did you did you count? No, it wasn't. Probably like twenty minutes ish. Right? It's not twenty minutes. Really? Twenty minutes in a film is a very long time. That's true. It's probably like five to ten. Yeah, something um, like that. They're sitting in the living room. Havervin and the boyfriend, what is his name? Joe, are playing chess yeah. in the background. Aya Cash is in the chair reading a book, and Hildy and her sister are sitting on the couch. And they're having, like, it's literally done like a play where if, if Aunt Linda wants to talk to one of the boys behind her, she just sort of cheats out a little bit on the couch while she's, like, grading papers. And they're having a political conversation that does not push the story along. Nope. It does absolutely nothing. It's not even really character work because we don't have any reason to care about Aunt Linda at this point. No, there's it, it serves it's no purpose. It's just as if you want to have the conversation about... What is it that she um, teaches? Uh, Something about, like, postmodern linguistics. Neo... I didn't write it down. Retrospectivism. It's something like that, where it's the combination of, like, trying to understand all of the posts, right? Which is, I don't want to even get into how stupid that joke is. It doesn't even make sense. What joke? That joke. The joke about all the posts is a bad joke. Okay. Uh, Mr. Academic. Sorry. Are you apologizing for being an academic? Yes, actually. <laughs> Good, you should. I, I will say, I would rather the camera sit still than the fucking terrible camera work. Correct. Because literally there are points where like, so like, I'm saying like a lot. Post Kubrick, we have Steadicam, mm-hmm. right? If you want to move around, there is equipment available yeah. to every film student trying to make a movie yeah. to hold a camera still. They didn't use that. Yeah. So you literally just see handheld camera shaking. Yeah. You know, I I don't even notice this shit usually. I am not a camera person. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't really ever pay attention when the camera is. I literally there's a point where Joe is talking to Hoverven after Wendy has left where you see it like a readjust and I was like, "Oh no." Yeah. We have entered into something very bad here. It's it's so amateurish and it's again why it's simultaneously so frustrating to watch, but also why I think that we both have some reticence about dunking on it is because yeah. this is clearly not a professional one would think. No, which is again what it's so strange that there's people in this that I've seen before. These aren't film students. No. Uh. Anyway, a cop shows up. The cop's the worst actor in the movie, filled with bad actors. He is. The cop's like, "Oh, there's a there's a murderer on the loose." Yep. There sure is. And Joe's all excited about it because it's like a famous Desmond murderer. the Decapitator. Yeah. Real movie, by the way. Um, is it really? Is this a real movie? Oh, I thought you meant Desmond the Decapitator was like a real no. movie. <laughs> uh, it's absurd to me that he comes up and he's like, there's a murderer on the loose. Again, this is a student play. Yeah, it's... It, it actually is. Guy shows up at the door But I, I feel like by this point, oh no, you did skip over like the part where I really felt like it was like legitimately a play. Which is that they, they, now they're all having dinner together. Uh, is dinner before that? Yes, because he shows up during dinner. Oh, yeah. Uh, that they're all eating together, and Joan Wendy... The cop leaves, by the way. The cop leaves. Cop, leaves. Leave, cop comes in to deliver the the information that there's a murder on the loose, and yeah. then leaves. Which is probably why their car is that they're having problems with the car, because the guy who's supposed to fix the Let's car... Let's not talk about that guy. It's just, it's plot-related. Uh... While sitting at dinner, they're all talking, and now that all of the, like, oh, no, are we in a murder house is, like, gone away, now everybody is just becoming friends with each other, uh, and 
Hildy asks Joe and Wendy how they met, and they tell this extremely dumb story about being in the movie, movie theater. theater. They're the only two people in the movie theater, and he asks her to save his seat, which actually I think is cute, but it is delivered so badly, and it's meant to be funny, and it and is it, just dumb it as shit. It serves no purpose. No purpose. It's not... This movie, this movie's like 80 minutes. It's very short. It's like 85, probably. Yeah. But like... So much of this dialogue is like we have to we have to make this a full length film. Yeah, it should have actually been a short film. Now that I'm saying, imagine this. the the 25 minute version of this. Yeah, would it be better? Who knows? Probably I, not. <laughs> but there would have been less of it. It certainly wouldn't be wasting my time. Um, Kai shows up at the door. He they ask him for ID to make sure that he's not Desmond Richter. I think that was smart. It was the only wise thing Hildy's ever scene. done. Also, the worst shot in the film. The worst shot in the film. Where DW is trying to be like fucking Brian De Palma. <laughs> it is. Thank you. I'm so proud of you that you recognize that, knowing as a De, that it's a De Palma, a De Palma shot. shot. I do. I uh, only know that from Jordan Peele's Us. What's from Jordan Peele's Us? That's, the split diopter. Also a De, oh, De Palma shot in Us. Yes. Oh yeah. So it it it's Hildy at the door, being like, I can't like let you in to use the phone because I don't know if you're the murderer, and it it's a reverse shot from. Dude, I don't remember what he says his name is. No, but it, he has a very good cover story. That yeah, um, but it's the murderer uh, to Hildy on the right, and it's a split diopter shot, so she's in focus as well as the entire assembled cast who are who have left dinner and are all poking over each like, other's shoulders. <laughs> like it's because she sees like a little thing of blood on his collar, and there's a really long guitar riff. It goes like on this shot, and I was like. Oh, it, they're no. like they're like grouped up like the the Scooby Gang peeking around a yes. door frame. And honestly, like one of the reasons it's the worst shot in the movie, not necessarily because of the shot, but because for a second I was like, is this about to get really stylized? And then it didn't. Yeah, I want to clarify this real it's quick. It's just the worst because it's the only moment of filmmaking in the entire movie, and it's a ripoff basically. Now we're talking about this. I am a De Palma devotee. I think that even the trash that he creates is enjoyable to me because I just love how fucking over the top stylish it is. Yeah. I think that De Palma, who by the way, ripped off everything he ever did from Hitchcock, <laughs> uh, not an original <laughs> thought in De Palma's brain. Oh my God. I love that. Love him dearly. To, to just take, to just take such an obvious homage in a movie that has, and I mean this sincerely, no style. There is not, it is as if, it is as if, like, this is the AD who came in and was like, actually, can, I, can we do my shot now? Can we do my shot setup? Yeah. It feels like it's no other moment out in of this place. movie. There's no sense in it at all. And the sound cue that you mentioned, it's just like, what just happened here? Because yeah, then it just goes right back to being the movie it was being before. And it's just like, oh, cool. From the, This is when I kind of stopped paying attention, genuinely. Because um, that's when I realized what what the plot was, which is that we've been building to this whole I actually Desmond think, the Decapitator thing. This I actually time. agree that I also tuned out here. And Checked I, out. I didn't really think about it, but I think that that shot just ruined it. <laughs> I think that that shot just it flipped the you. switch. No, it flipped the switch. I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. For me, it wasn't the shot. It was the fact that from then on, it was so cut and dry. I mean, I, I can like, tell you, I can tell you the things that happened. Oh, me too. I was just expecting it for a really long time to get to something and when I finally realized what it was getting to and that it wasn't anything interesting I was like okay good I don't have to pay attention anymore which we should say for the listener is just that he's going to stalk them around the house for the last half hour but he doesn't even really stalk them around the house he's mostly outside and they're inside there's like one point where he comes inside and I guess is it when he shoots Hildy when he's up the stairs yeah is that yeah he kills he kills Skip and he kills Hildy 
There's six of them in the house, right? Well, he gets the gun. They have a gun. They have a, they have two guns. They have the revolver that he gets first, and then they also the have a shotgun. Um, with one. Skip dies first. Yeah. Hildy decides she's going to go on the warpath. Yeah. Then so Hildy makes dies. Bad decisions. Havervin and Aunt Linda want to hook up, but then they see the bad guy standing in the yard. There's a vi- yeah. There's a very dumb moment where they are like talking to each other and then they look out the window and it's like he saw me as if that changes anything like he knows you're in the house it's like a big dramatic moment specifically they were gonna hook up yeah um he also desmond richter to his credit slash this movie's credit because he's another person um i hope it was the actor improving has an insanely stupid but very entertaining like mo thing he does where he keeps just chanting a phrase over and over oh yes okay actually first first he goes like Fish in a barrel, barrel, fish in a barrel. barrel. He, he like, I want, I want to reiterate, it's stupid. But, but it, I liked it. It kind of works. Yeah, and then, the thing, and, then the, he, and then he says, candy from, candy, a baby, from a baby, candy from a baby, candy from a baby. Candy from a baby. I will actually say, that and the other script thing, this is where, again, it's like literally like a play. Um, that and then Havervin has cute little um, language idiosyncrasies that he does. He does two of them. One of them is, um, he says like a... Uh, a body of speech when he means a figure of speech. Yeah. And then he says, that's the bill you pay when he means that's the price you pay. And I actually was very charmed by that. I was like, that's cute. That's a fun way of like language is very learning. English is very interesting. And I'd rather, rather than someone like not knowing a word or you speaking in broken English, the idea that you are like, I know what this word means, yeah. but it's a synonym. I think, I mean, again, it this felt movie very an ounce of credit. It felt so scripty to me. It's so scripty. Again, this this movie, not to get into it too much before we talk about the end of this movie, which is nothing, so it doesn't really matter. Uh this nothing has ever given me more understanding of the difference between a play and a movie before in my life. <laughs> I and I I was a theater major, but I love movies, and I've never been able to be like, oh, this feels like a play and this feels like a movie. Because obviously there's crossover. Like you make movies of plays, there are musicals yeah, yeah. made of movies. Uh so the idea that a play doesn't necessarily like need to have a plot, yeah, right? You can just stick a bunch of people in a room and they can have, can have a conversation, and that can be a play. And there should be some kind of like, you know, slight story structure. Sure, but it doesn't need to. It doesn't need to, as long as you're having interesting conversations and maybe asking a question about like human nature or like something political or something like that. Or and even have... it could be about one thing. One thing can happen to the entire play. Yes. And then they can and just talk about it. We're sitting aside like Beckett. We're sitting aside. Experiment. We're talking about like oh, yeah. mainstream plays. Because you can also have experimental movies that don't yeah. necessarily have plays. But like mainstream plays, like literally like one thing can happen and they can talk about it and then the thing can happen over intermission and yes. then they can talk about the talk fallout about of that. it. Like... Yeah. That's all that applies to be. And plays because they are theatrical and because people have to act in a way that is potentially not natural to play to like the back of the theater, you don't have to have that sense of like utter reality. There can be plays that are very hyper real, obviously um, that really speak to like the truth of, of human people, but uh, you, uh, it's always going to be a little bit exaggerated because it's, because it's theatrical. Whereas I think you can make movies obviously where it's like, no, this is like exactly how people talk and it's extremely real. But this movie is so theatrical in how scripty it is. Yes. And it is just, I mean, like I love plays. I don't know that I would have wanted to see this as a play, but I'm all for horror plays. And this is how you do a horror play, which is that you like 
uh, you send people on the wrong path, right? And when the guy shows up, there's not going to be a lot of gore. Like, the way this plays out, even in its horror, is literally like a play. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm thinking about the off-screen deaths. Like, it's off-screen just like... Off-screen deaths, guns. Guns are so theatrical because you don't have to have a lot of blood and you just get to have a, a prop and a big sound and everyone understands what happened. Yep. And... Even the little bit of like stabbing that happened is there's I think there is a little bit of knife work yeah. at the end. Well, it's so uncinematic. It's literally theatrical. It's so strange. Can we talk about the very end yes, of this? Okay, do. so they decided they're going to rappel down to the ground level with tied together bed sheets, which they which don't is, need to do because so they dumb. can they can step out of the window. There's a roof. Onto there's the, one of those like roofs that like, like is almost like what's the word? It's the awning Horizontal. over the um, yeah. The deck. Yes. They deeply don't need. So they do that, and then they run away. There's a slapstick moment of Havervin and Aunt Linda, like, running away and then coming together and then (laughs) running away. They run out of the house, they run in different directions, and then they run back into frame, grab each other, and then run off together. And it actually worked for me. I thought it was very funny. You were very charmed by this movie. It's because Havervin and Linda are the only characters I care about. If I care about anyone, I care about the two of them. They're both, both very funny to me. Uh... Get ready, everyone, for possibly the worst and most anticlimactic yeah. shot I've ever seen in a film. So Joe and Wendy escape. They're the bad guy, Desmond Richter, is right there. Good bad mm. guy name. It's a very good bad guy name. Um, he's chasing them with an axe. Well, first, he... They get they have a, a scuffle a for the scuffle gun. A scuffle with the gun. Yeah, she and... shoots her finger off. I'm not sure how that happened. I watched this and it didn't make sense. I know. But Wendy's finger gets blown off somehow. Again, very play thing where if you just move a lot on stage and then something happens, you just have to kind of believe it. Yeah. That's not true about film, you guys. Uh, he runs. He's chasing them through the fields with an axe. Great moment where they're just like running away from the axe murderer. And then Joe stops when he's like, oh, are you okay? And they like stop for a moment while they're still being pursued. Yeah, and then they look and he's right there again. And then... God. He, uh, he's about to kill Joe, right? Yeah. He like he, Joe is in a, some sort of vulnerable position. Desmond Richter lifts the axe over his head and swings it backwards and stabs himself in the back with the axe. With the axe. This is a famous murderer. This is what, what we are led to believe is that this guy has murdered a lot of people and is yep. like famous for it and in like a, an asylum. And this man doesn't know how to swing an axe so that he doesn't hit himself in the back? Insane. So it he lays down in the field and dies. the laziest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's it. Life. He lays down in the field and dies. There's no, like, there's no, like, last scare. Nope. Uh, Wendy ch- and Joe... He's chasing them still, yeah. and then he's chasing them, and then he, like, gets tired and lays down and dies. Wendy and Joe get to a car. Stupid scene. They escape. What the, I thought, like, for one second, I was like, oh, is this, like, a fake out? Like, is she evil, too? The woman who picks him up in the car? No. No. Uh, they have a little graduate moment. We uh, we discussed, yeah. We discussed that it's kind of like them sitting in the back of the car just pondering. It's a long shot on them in the back of the car. In the car. back seat, like, what the fuck no have we dialogue. done? No yeah. yeah. And But again, what they haven't done anything. No, but D.W. <laughs> Young saw The Graduate. I was very influenced by it. It feels like an homage. That's the thing. Is it does. It's like, I agree. While, well, here's the other problem. Is it that or is it this terrible filmmaking because there's... Like, not knowing when to cut, because there's a scene earlier where Hildy is loading the gun. She's mm-hmm. literally, like, it's a revolver. She's, like, loading the bullets into the, the chamber. Um, and the you could just literally... It, there's a fade out. I'm, I'm stuttering because I'm so mad. I'm just so worked <laughs> I'm up. I'm so angry. Uh, 
she's loading the gun and she you see her wait for cut to happen yeah because it fades out he gave afterwards her, yeah the actress is just waiting to stop acting he gave because... her instruction of like load the gun and like, she doesn't know what to do next she doesn't have, she's not improving for the so she, she just loads she, the gun and then just stands the there until cut and then he and then dw didn't even have the sense to fade out while she was still yeah, fade out earlier fade out earlier it's breathe anyway the, the end of the movie is that dead dead the director is in the field and the rare butterfly that Havervin came, comes and lands on his corpse. Uh-huh. So meaningful. Sucks. The, I mean, what the fuck? You know what I just realized as you said that? It would be more meaningful if um, he hadn't found the butterfly. Yeah. I just realized that. We There's didn't say thing. that to the listener. Havervin the listener like, is like, oh, I'm looking for this rare butterfly. I want to find it. Here's what it looks like. And, and by then, the way, that's why he's gone all night. We didn't tell the listener that. Right. He found it. He found the butterfly That's why he's he gone, gone for 24 night. hours. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, no, they murdered Havervin. Yes. No, he's just butterfly he's hunting. He's butterfly hunting. He and comes he finds back it. and he um, he's found the butterfly and he shows them what it looks like. And he's like, I'm going to accept the... I just remember this scene too. He's like, he's going to accept the award for like, he's like, this is definitely going to win me this like special butterfly hunting award. And then he goes upstairs to the bathroom and does a scene where he's just talking to the mirror, doing his acceptance speech. Yeah. And at one point picks up a bottle of poison is what and it looks uses like. uses like a As award. like a, an award, like in, in, as in the place of the award. And I just realized that that scene is nothing. A lot of the act one fake outs are meaningless. Meaningless. Once this movie becomes what it is. Yeah, because it's like, why, again, what's going in the muffins? Why is there poison here? Like, we don't know because Hildy isn't bad after all. So, like, it makes no sense. And I just realized it would have been, like, more meaningful if he hadn't found the butterfly and then it was there all along on his dead body. But again, like, there's no stakes in this movie. Like, nobody, I guess Hildy and her son die, but, like, who cares? They were terrible anyway. Were they? Remember Hildy? Well, she, Hildy is because she's conservative. A, a conservative and fights with her sister. I don't know what Skip does wrong. That's true. Skip's fine. Kills a chicken. People do that every day. People die every day, too. Oh, damn. This movie sucks. I would love to move on from it. Do you have any stray observations? No. At a certain point, I stopped taking notes and just started screaming in my notes. Like, I am dead. This is the worst possible <laughs> film I've ever seen. Uh, how did this get made? The script is unreal. Just, you know, just shouting in the... I think the only other thing that I wrote down that I didn't talk about is that um, at one point... I don't remember if it's... I think it's Joe says, I swear to God, I'm not a violent guy, but I would kill that fuck down there. And I was like... Uh, what? <laughs> is this about... Is this like Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs in that it's about, like, a mild-mannered man pushed to violence and revealing the, like, inherent violent tendencies within him that were there all along? But no, this movie's stupid. No, because he doesn't do anything with no, that. No, there's no follow-up on that, right? But it introduces this idea that makes me think, oh, you've seen a movie. I see that movie, too. Well, DW has seen movies. Yeah, me too. You're aware of it. Oh, yeah. But guess what, guys? Seeing movies does not a good filmmaker make. No, not at all. Not at all. Are you ready to uh, hit ourselves in the back with an <laughs> axe because of sheer incompetence? I guess, yeah. We're under quarantine. Sure are. So we decided to look at a list. I looked at a list on Vulture. Shout out to Vulture of like pandemic movies mm-hmm. uh, or like just quarantine movies or just like post post apocalyptic illness yeah. wiped out everyone movies. Love it. A lot of them are zombie movies. Really? That makes sense. Yeah. It. Yeah. So I am legend, you know, shit like that. <laughs> That's where we're headed. We looked at this list and we decided we wanted to pick our next one. Mm-hmm. And I think we settled on It Comes at Night. Yeah. Which is on Netflix in the U.S. right now. Nice. I remember when this movie came out, and I cannot believe I haven't seen it. 
it was in like the like a great year of horror movies. It, 2017 was just a good year for movies in general. It was, you're right. But 2016 and 2017, I think of being is very good for horror. Yeah. Um, and I'm so surprised we didn't see this, so I'm really excited to finally catch up. It's fascinating that us as moviegoers, we have seen Trader Schultz waves, but not the two horror slash horror adjacent films he made before What's that. What's his other one? Kresha. Oh, damn, yeah. And It Comes at Night. We didn't see those, but we saw know, waves. It's so weird. And, I, and I, I like waves for its faults, so I'm hoping to enjoy this too. Yeah, hopefully it's better. Then Waves or then uh, The Happy House? Then Waves, which is a fine movie, but not a great one. Uh, if it's not better than The Happy House... <laughs> we're fucked. I got some people online that I need to beat up. <laughs> can I tell you a really quick story about Happy House? You can cut this if you want to. Sure. Um. Do you... Oh, shit. What is this comedian's name? There's a comedian who I really, really loved when I was younger... Um, and he has some of my like absolute favorite bits and he does, does a bit about, um, children's birthday parties being like really horrible because they play games that are really fucked up. Jim Gaffigan? No, it's not Jim Gaffigan. Um, but he's, he's, he is a Jim Gaffigan contemporary. Brian something. Um, Brian Posehn? No. I'll have to look it up. Uh. Misnaming big balding guys. <laughs> I don't know if he's a big balding guy, but he has a bit where he is talking about, uh, how stressful um, musical chairs is and how it's like an anxiety attack for young kids where they're like, and there's a point where the little kid presumably goes home to his parents and is like, why did you make me go? You said this would be a happy house. And I just, that's one of those lines that's always stuck in my head from like middle school. And uh, anytime I think of the title of this movie, I think of that line from this comedian. Anytime I think of the title of this movie, Happy House. I think of the weekend song that features that as a lyric, oh. which is an interpolation of a Susie the Banshee song, which oh. I think is all is called Happy House. Um, might be wrong about that, but that's what I think of. <laughs> there are other Happy House situations, is basically. I'm pretty what's sure going it's Susie the Banshees. Doesn't matter. Brian Regan is his name. I was close. He looks like this. He's not balding. No. He is one of the funniest comedians I've ever heard in my life. I think he is so funny. Wow. Watch him. You sure you want to say that on a podcast? I do. Who knows what he might have done? Uh, that's fair. He's 61 now. I don't think he's doing things anymore, but he had some really fucking funny bits. I hope he hasn't been me too'd. It is oh, good. God, I hope not. It is Susie the Banshee's happy house. Anyway, until next time, you check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to give us a like. Be sure to listen to our entire backlog and recommend it to your friends in quarantine listening. <laughs> During this quarantine time. You have nothing better to do than to listen to all our episodes about shitty horror movies. True. Thank you, as always, to Wes Craven and Aya Cash for being <laughs> literally the only bearable thing about this movie. Truly. I it's This was so clear when you look at like actors and there are actors who can take a bad script and make something of it, small as it is, and actors who are just like... A, a bad script can flatten them. She has some line reads here and a couple like reactions that feel really human and normal yes. in this extremely stilted series of events. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Aya. All right. Until next time, everybody. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay, <laughs> safe, healthy, spooky. 